You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. We are doing a first time ever here. Today, we have independent independent pro wrestler, uh, the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Mike, how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. How are you, DJ? Thanks. I, I popped from that, uh, that name, actually. Not another uh, wrestling podcast. It's like, it's the <laughs> truth. But at the same time, you make yourself different. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, that... I. That name just stemmed from there's already too many of them, so might as well have a little fun with it. <laughs> I mean, everybody. It's, it's funny for me. For me, the the podcast they're they're contagious. It's like once I get booked for one, four other come right after. And I got one tomorrow. I got one Tuesday, and then I got one August seventh. All oh, all immediately after you booked me, they all came. So they catch like wildfire. So yeah, not another wrestling podcast. That's good. That's good, man. All right. Yeah, like I said, this is the first time ever you're the first uh, pro wrestler we've had on the show here. And um, just kind of go through a few things. Like, um, first of all, um, I guess just basic questions. Um, kind of what, what got you into pro wrestling as a fan? Uh, for sure. Well, yeah, it definitely starts as a fan. That's for sure. When I was a kid, I had uh, two obsessions, which one was baseball and one was pro wrestling. And uh, first of all, I'm very happy that I'm involved in both of them still, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, when you're a kid, you kind of don't have the knowledge um, or the idea that you can actually train to be a wrestler. Like with me, I always thought um, in order to be a wrestler, a traveling circus had to come to town and they had to recruit you because you were like eight feet tall and you could do like backflips and whatnot. Uh, so I just stuck with T-ball and then I just played baseball up until I was about 19 years old. And um, when I was 19, when I graduated high school, I decided to not play college baseball because I kind of, uh, let's put this one up. When I tell them I'm, I'm a college baseball coach now. So what I tell my players is back in the day, wrestling was a passion and baseball was work. Now wrestling's work and baseball is my passion, which is why I still coach. But um, at the time, I was really at the point where I was like, you know, I've, I've been doing baseball for since I was three years old. I love it, but I would want to go to college to kind of just be a dude, a college dude, have fun, don't really have any more of those commitments to the game, and then just kind of like free myself at that time. And it also gave me the opportunity to find out that I can train to be a pro wrestler. So once I knew uh, that I was able to do this, I kind of said, yeah, I'm not going to play baseball, and I'm going to actually try to pursue this dream of, uh, of uh, being a pro wrestler, which is, like I said, been a dream since I was a kid. Um, so uh, to... to basically give you my background in it i started at mywc back in like 2011 um and i was trained over there my beginning trainers were uh, alex reynolds and tony niece they basically taught me all the the basics of how to uh you know really start your career and start your um you know just start pro wrestling in general um the school was overseen by mikey Whipwreck, so there was a lot of um real real solid wrestling minds and wrestling backgrounds there um, that can kind of get me started and, and get me off the off the ground and running with all the basics. But about nine months into training, um, backstory on that too, when I was trained, everything was very, very slow, meaning you were on the floor. You didn't even get a chance to, to step foot in the ring. Everything was 
I'm going to learn a lockup and I'm going to do a lockup for two weeks. Then I'm going to move to a headlock and I'm going to learn a headlock, headlock for another two weeks. So fast forward nine months into training, I finally got to step foot in the ring just to learn what the ring was like. So I worked my ass for nine months, and yeah, it, it, it's a lot different now, my, mind you. <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan of that. I'd rather everyone be trained that way. But that's what it was back in the day. It was really like every single thing needed to be perfected before you can even step foot in the ring. Because any any old veteran or any kind of anyone who's been doing this for a while will tell you you need, you need to earn your, your your stripes before you get in the ring. You need to put your work in, pay your dues before you can step foot in that ring because that, that's our home. You know, I mean, if you, you want to buy a home when you're an adult or when you're, you have a job, you're going to earn that money to buy that house. So with us, it's like you got to earn that respect. you got to earn that opportunity to step foot in the ring because wrestling's not for everybody. So I love that, you know, idea of how I was trained early on. But uh, to the next point, when I was about nine months to a year in, just when I was getting into the ring and I was really getting ready to kind of progress into actually becoming a character, I got a job offer at GNC. Um, and at the time, 18, 19 years old, the job offer was pretty good. It was a manager of a store. Um, they were paying me pretty well. And at that age, um, you know, like I said, in college, kind of don't really have any commitments or, or responsibilities. I was like, hell yeah, let me make some money. And NYWC is out in Deer Park, Long Island. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So that was about an hour and a half drive to an hour, twice a week, every single week. One was on a Tuesday, one was on a Sunday. So the schedule was really, really difficult. So I kind of had to stop my training. So my training was kind of put on hold for about another six to seven months. And then uh, my buddy and I, we went to uh, Money in the Bank, I think I guess it was 2011, 2012, at Wells Fargo in Philly. And the pre-show match was Roman Reigns versus the Shield, uh, not Roman Reigns, the Shield versus the Usos. And I watched that match, and the energy and just the match itself literally made me turn to my friend and say, screw work, uh, screw it all, I'm going back to training. This is what I want to do. Um, nice. So I had, I still, I still didn't know what my game plan was because I knew that the trip out to Deer Park was going to be really hard to balance work, school, and wrestling training. And I know it sounds tough because it's like, oh yeah, you, you got to make time for it if you want to. But sometimes you don't. There's not only a certain amount of hours in a day. Um, but I, I ended up meeting a guy by the name of Talent, who's a part-time wrestler now. Um, but he's a trainer at my gym in Brooklyn, Harbor Fitness, and he had told me about a place called um, the Ludus Wrestling Center in Brooklyn which I had no idea existed when I started my wrestling training because I had no idea there was any schools in Brooklyn. So instead of me making that trip out to Long Island, I heard about this school and I was like, holy shit, there's a school in Brooklyn. Like, this is beautiful. So that led me to trying out. Yeah, convenient. Exactly. So, and they were open five days a week, sometimes seven, because it just didn't matter. Whatever it was, the doors are open, get in there and train. So I went to the the Ludus Wrestling Center. I met Joel, who's uh, sitting next to me, Joel Maxwell, one half of the SAT, and he became my finishing trainer. He's the one who basically taught me everything um, I have right now, between from the name, the style, um, everything I, you know, every everything that makes me right now, I learned there. Uh, so between you know the basics of MYWC onto the finishing touches of the Ludus, um, that was really how I got how I got started in this business. But to answer your question, it all started from being a fan. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's a hell of a story there and that knocks off a lot of uh other questions i had following up um yeah um i guess um when, when you were growing up i guess who who were some guys that kind of influenced you or i guess who really influences yourself because because i've i've watched a good number of your matches on youtube i've, I've seen the one you had with uh mjf i watched uh I watched the one with uh, uh, Swagger. You, I know you had another one. You teamed up with Billy Gunn. 
and yeah. a few other ones I was watching against uh, a guy uh, had it right here. Uh, J JT Dunn, I saw that yeah. one. I re really, really enjoyed that one. Thank you. That's one of my favorite matches recently. The last yeah. summer it was, but under the circumstance of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously. No, first of all, thank you for watching the matches, and uh, thank you for the compliment on the work. Um, it's interesting because, you know, as a 90s kid, obviously I grew up in the best era of wrestling, which is the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars, and it was just... Wrestling was pop culture. Everything about wrestling was cool. So I'm, mm -hmm. I was really lucky to grow up in that era. So, I mean, obviously my favorites growing up were either The Rock or Stone Cold. I was always more of a rock guy. And now, you know, The Rock is just goals in life, period. If you could be anything close <laughs> to The Rock, you it. So that's for sure. But, you know, it, it's hard because I've had favorites growing up. They were on The Rock, Kurt Angle, Macho Man. Those are like some of my top favorite wrestlers of all time. But when it comes to influence of the work, I feel like... I, I kind of don't have somebody, well, I have somebody, but I don't like to mention his name too much because I get compared to him a lot, which is Chris Benoit, um, just based on the uh. look and, and the, the in-ring style to an extent. Um, I wouldn't say he influences my work, but there is similarity to that. I guess you can compare it to Malenko a little bit, um, Eddie Guerrero, just because these are guys, Kurt Angle, these are guys that were more on the smaller, muscular size that were still believable and could still beat the crap out of somebody if they really wanted to. So I'd say that's really my influence is, but the, the interesting thing is, is I don't really have somebody that I can turn around and say, he's the reason why I'm a wrestler. You know, he taught me everything I know. He's who I want to emulate because you should never look at a wrestler, another wrestler and say, I want to be just like him. You want to extend your, you want to be just like you. You want to be the next you, you know, it's cliche yes, as that. So that's always been my thing. And it, it's crazy too, because being trained by um, Alex and Tony early on, they're very, WWE style. What I mean by that, it's very TV, technical, um, old school style. And then when Joel trained me, everything was more lucha fast paced. Where when I first got into the business, I never thought that I would be able to do any lucha, any whatsoever, any kind of fast pace because I was a baseball player. I'm not saying I wasn't an athlete. I've been an athlete all my life. But baseball is, a, I wouldn't say baseball is the most athletic sport. You know, you can, it's more of a skill sport for lack of a better word, more of a mental sport. So a lot of the training I did in baseball was never for speed and agility or, or flexibility. I mean, that all comes with it, but it was never like football training or cross-country training. It was just different. So I was never more of a moving guy, you know? And then when I got in there with, with Joel, when he was teaching me more of the lucha style, I started seeing, oh, I can do, I can do more than what I thought I could do. And that kind of expanded my overall in-ring style, you know, altogether where it's like I can do lucha I can do American I can do a little bit of Japanese so it's interesting because you can't really find out what the influence is you kind of just absorb everything around you to make the best you yeah I um when you were saying uh guys like uh Benoit Guerrero Malenko and, and Kurt Angle I I the Benoit in comparison I didn't really think about it up until now but um I definitely see those guys in your work, and I've seen you just mentioning that you were trained more in lucha style. I've seen some like some of your matches where you've done a suicide dive, and the, and the one with JT Dunn you had. I remember one of the spots you did. You did a, a swanton bomb or, or senton bomb, whatever you call it. Um, but I guess now, hearing what you said, you've kind of learned two different sides of wrestling. It's kind of like the more the WWE TV style and fast paced lucha style. Yeah. Uh, and that's a nice blend to have. Um, Absolutely. Is there any particular style you kind of like, you prefer, that you kind of like one or the other? Or do you, or do you, I guess yeah. you just like the kind of the, the blend in the, in the middle, I guess. 
Uh, that's a great question because it's funny because I, I don't think I ever thought of it like that, where it's like, what do I like better? Um, I think the best answer to that, in my opinion, is that it depends on who your dance partner is. Because there are some people you work and some people you wrestle that you just have better chemistry with. Um, you mentioned before you watched the match with Billy Gunn, where me and Billy um, teamed against the Spirit Squad. Mm-hmm. You could tell that that's a very... Or did you watch the six-man match? Was it a six-man match or the tag match? It, it was a tag match. It was uh, tag, you guys against yeah, Billy uh, yeah, Dyke, uh, Dykstra yeah. and Mikey. Yeah, so those two right there, if you look at it, obviously that's very TV-style, WWE, typical, like straightforward, let's put it that way, for lack of a better word. And that works. That works, man. If you're in front of a crowd, like a family crowd, or, or, or they want to, because when you work a match like that, you get the fans involved. The fans feel engaged. They're not watching a sporting, well, it's obviously a sport, but they feel like they're not watching a sporting contest. They're watching a show that they're involved in, which is overall, it, it's great because it's fun. Sometimes it's easier on your body. Um, you know, you, you're, you're engaged with the fans because remember, the fans are what feeds us, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But you know, without the fans in wrestling right now, I, I can I know the boys are, are struggling with that. It's not the best thing in the world to not wrestle in front of fans because that's what drives our, our our work. So to do a match like that where the fans are engaged, it's just as fun as going out there and moving a mile a minute and tearing the house down, doing every single high spot in the world. So I guess. Uh, a lazy answer would be the blessy one I prefer for that day. You know, if I'm in there with, like, my JT Dumb match is much different than my Billy match. And my MJF match is much different than my Swagger match to an extent. They're all, everything's a different flavor of ice cream when you're in the ring because everyone is different. So the fact that everyone has a different style, you kind of adapt with that and, and you kind of just make your own, your own Sunday, for lack of a better word. I like that. Yeah, and, and I've noticed, like, not every match you have, it's not just, it's not like, oh, this this is my particular style. I have seen that you have been able to adapt to your opponent, uh, who you're working with, and that's good to have, I'm sure, as a wrestler, because you want to be able to adapt to working with different guys. I'm sure working with a guy like, like Jack Swagger is oh, much different than working with a guy like like JT, uh, JT Dunn. Um, I guess... I guess leading next to it is um, you did mention the whole the, the pandemic and and no fans. Um, how are how do you feel about what, the kind of this, the state of what's going on with? I, I know companies like uh, like WWE and AEW kind of have planted fans, and Impact kind of has like nobody. Do do you think if you were kind of in that situation, do you think you would how how would you feel being in that in that way? Because I know wrestlers, you guys very much feel of the crowd, like you said. Yeah, it's 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 tough, you know. And, and I was on the way up here to, to train. I was talking to Joel about it, where I said like I don't know where in you know when you look at concerts and and movie theaters and stuff like that. Like you're talking 2021, late 2021 reopening. You know, Madison Square Garden has has tours that were supposed to happen this summer rescheduled for September 2021. So you're talking a full calendar year almost. And on the independent, you know, you can't. A promoter can't run a show. No money. It hurts, and it's not livelihood. So no one's going to want to just work to work for free because, oh, we haven't wrestled in five months, so I want to just get on a show. So, you know, that stance of independent wrestling is a big question mark right now. And I'm not saying it's going to die because wrestling will live forever, but it's interesting to see how that will, how this will affect the independents. Now, for AEW, WWE, and Impact, they're getting paid. They're on weekly television every single week. 
So it's like going to work. It's so like the pandemic here. The scary thing about it is, is I'm not sure in a year from now where, you know, we're going to be with the independents because, you know, a promoter is not going to run a show that can only by law hold a hundred people because there's no money in that. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't make money in tickets. You can't pay the wrestlers and the wrestlers, are not, they're not going to work for free. You know, we love this. We love this, but this is our livelihood. We get paid well to go out there and do what we do good. And, you know, to get a pay cut, I'm sure it's doable under the circumstances, but you also don't want to, to make the promoter go broke. Because if the promoter goes broke and bankrupt and the company has to close, then you don't have work when things go back to normal. So for the independence, it's a big question mark. I don't think wrestling is going to die because I think wrestling will live forever. But it's scary to think that, you know, we may have a full calendar year before there's a live event again. Uh, but in regards to the big guys, WWE, AEW, and, and I'm sure Impact will do the same thing with the planty crowd. It's better. Don't get me wrong. It's beneficial to have people in the audience. But you have fellow wrestlers in there, which, you know, not to pull back the curtain, but they, they're going to react accordingly based on the storyline and based on the character, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that helps. But the pure reaction of the fan is the, is the non-monetary um, benefit we get as performers. Like, we drive off the fans. We need the fans. You know, that's, that, that's the best feeling in the world is when you can actually get that pure reaction from the crowd. So it, it, it's, it sucks that they're not there, but, I mean, you know, the AWWE, those guys and girls, they have to put on their working boots every week. They're going to go to work. They're going to do what they got to do, and they're going to get by. But but it's not definitely not easy, I can tell you from experience. Yeah, I, I, I truly think the independence, um, w- when things can get back to somewhat of a normal, I, I truly believe they will thrive because – in the past five years, I think independent wrestling has been at its hottest. There, there are guys and girls out there who have been able to make, who were able to make a living, a really solid living, without having to have a company like WWE or Impact or Ring of Honor or AEW, whatever the case may be, and make a solid living uh, doing it. That that being said, I know, um, I'm sure as as a wrestler and as a fan, you have an ultimate goal of where you'd like to go. Uh, and yes. I said pre-pandemic, obviously there are a lot of choices. I think for guys and girls to go to, you have WWE, AEW, Impact, and even places like New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um, are do you have like a main goal of like I want to go to WWE or AEW, like the bigger companies, or you kind of want to go to places like? Uh, Maybe like Ring of Honor or New Japan or uh, or maybe like a Mexican promo- promotion like uh, like a AAA or a CM- CMLL. See, it's I I pride myself on being very different than other wrestlers because I have a lot of other things in life in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that it's a bad thing for other wrestlers just live off wrestling. Um, even that being said, with my career individually, um, let's, to back it up, I mean, look, when I first got into wrestling, I wanted to go into WWE. I wasn't an actor when I first started wrestling. Re- wrestling led me to, to Hollywood and, and, and doing acting and movies and commercials and stuff like that. That's all because of wrestling. If I didn't have wrestling, I would never do that. So it opened a lot of other doors for me outside the ring. Um, but because I've gotten those opportunities, um, it's kind of changed my mind on wanting to go to WWE because of WWE's... Um, Let's put it this way. I, I guess their ability to to control your schedule and your and your calendar year. You know, they their yeah. schedule is vigorous. We know that. You know, you got to go through the office, do other things. It's just there's more control. Granted, you're getting paid well, and, and that's your dream job. So God bless. But 
for me, I'm, I'm not willing to give up the other things I have going on for me just because I, I have a contract with WWE on the table. Now, pre-pandemic, I had a, I had some things in the works. I, I don't want to say it too much yet because obviously nothing is timed on the dotted line, but I had some things in the works, um, and obviously the pandemic slowed all that down. Um, but to, to, to put it, I guess, in cryptic terms, there is places right now um, that would allow me to continue to do you know, my acting career, coaching college baseball and stuff like that, which honestly those have become passions of mine and those have allowed me to, to keep my sanity uh, when wrestling gets tough, you know. So I, I don't want to give those things up yet just to sign something prematurely and kind of be stuck. Um, so those places, you know, there, there are places out there. Like I'll, I'll just say there are places like Impact and, and AEW specifically, um, Ring of Honor even, you know. Those, those are companies that still allow you to, to do what you love in the ring, get paid well, and, and still have the freedom to do other things. And I think that is great for a wrestling's, uh, psyche, a wrestler's psyche. So, I mean, you know, those places are definitely options. If you want me to just be straight up with you, I think AEW would be my, my number one goal. Um, because, like I said, the things that I had in the works prior to pandemic um, and the stuff that I, I learned about the company and stuff that I'm able to do, you know, that's something that, that, that is still very high on my priority list is to definitely work there when the, when the time's right. Again, I don't want to just rush into something that I'm not ready for yet, especially with the, pand- the pandemic going on. So I am going to take it a little bit slower now. Um, but those companies are definitely goals for me. And that, that doesn't mean I don't want to go to WWE. I'm just a little bit more open and more, I have more desire to go elsewhere right now. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, and I think that's the mentality of a lot of wrestlers today is that they don't want to necessarily go to WWE right away. And obviously, yes, I've I've heard so many stories as as far as like of of the vigorous schedule and you know kind of them having control of character. But but like you said, there are a lot of companies out there who will allow you to do other things, you know, because it's not only exposure for yourself, but it's exposure for whatever company you're working for. I guess um I guess moving on to is AEW be a main goal one day? Uh, but do you um and and here's some things people might not understand. Some wrestlers kind of like tune out from watching wrestling when yeah. they're kind of in the thick <laughs> of it. Are are you one of those wrestlers, or or do you still kind of try and watch uh, every once in a while? I, I, CJ, I gotta be honest with you. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. I'm one of those. I wish I can tell you. Everything from A to Z, but the, 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 the best thing about the world that we live in right now is social media, where you can literally, uh, you can literally scroll through Twitter and, and basically see the, the best moments of the, of the night in a minute or less. So, I mean, I've been lucky with that to kind of keep up with the product, but uh, there's no way that I'm able to watch, what is it, 20 hours of wrestling a week now? More than uh, that? I mean, it feels like oh, that no, it's too the network, much. the... the Two nights, I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible. I, I can't believe it, but it goes back to what you said about independent wrestling being so hot over the last five years. That's because wrestling has exploded in the last five years. Wrestling might not be as pop culturally cool as it was in the 90s and the 80s, but it is way, way, way more mainstream knowledge now. Like, you, if you're, you know, any, if, even if you live under a rock, you know what wrestling is. You may not know every single wrestler, but you know what professional wrestling is, where it's like that meant, that might have not been the case 10 years ago. It might have been the cult following of your fingers. But now it's just, it, it's, it's become, and then unfortunately it's still WWE and everyone else, but bottom line is wrestling is, is, is popular. It's mainstream. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's always kind of going to be that stigma, you know, like a lot of like, I guess, casual fans or people who are kind of know or are aware of it. 
they're always going to go the oh like WWE and it, as a, as fans and I'm sure as as wrestlers get it too it's like you either like kind of like shrug it off like yeah yeah because it's a little too much to go these well there's actually this this and yeah, it gets must be kind of a hassle <laughs> you're, you're spot on with that I, I can't tell you how many times when people ask me to explain my job the only thing I have to say is it's like WWE <laughs> yeah, and, and, then they, and then they get it so yeah I mean look no one can no one can ever fault um, WWE. No one can ever talk bad about WWE. They are the ones that paved the way for everyone else. So, I mean, it is what it is, and I hope I hope WWE really – I mean, it will. It, there's no killing it now. No one's ever going to beat them, you know, but it's just a matter of we need to understand that WWE is the top and everyone underneath it can still succeed while they're on top. Yeah, and that's something that I think is a big misconception as well. It's like – I guess to like you said to a casual person who's aware of pro wrestling, they kind of think, well, if you're not working for WWE, then then are you really succeeding? And and that's not the case at all. As we as we've mentioned, there are plenty of other avenues where wrestlers can take. Um, and and I don't I don't I don't blame you one bit if if you need if you cannot watch so much because even as a fan, I can't keep up with Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Impact, New Japan, everything. It it is too much. But it's nice to have a variety. 100%. You know, and to me, it goes back to the, the empty crowd thing. Like, a big thing, obviously doing this for almost 10 years, the fandom side of it, uh, this is my job. Like you said, we get, I'm, I'm able to make a living wrestling. So it's my job now. I can still love it, but it's my job. We can't deny that. Um, but one of the things that still tickles me as a fan is the pop of, a fan, of, of the crowd. And I remember even when I first started wrestling, and, and I was still a fan, but I was kind of segueing it to more as a career, you know, I would still watch things like the Lesnar return, um, you know, back in the, I forgot what year it was, but when Lesnar first returned and Kurt Angle came back, but those moments, those moments right there, like those still give me goosebumps, you know, those are moments that I still like, uh, even as a, as a, as a, as a professional wrestler, as, as a worker now, you know, you could still get moments like that from the crowd and the fact that there's no crowd, like that makes it even harder to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's, uh, that is a big thing for for fans as well it's 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 the some things are kind of you can't get into it as much uh i know it's sometimes i remember i was watching uh when adam cole and keith lee had that uh the title for title match a few weeks ago uh and when adam cole did you know his chant adam cole bay bay like it it didn't feel the same as if a live crowd yeah. was there like a hundred percent it's it's a so it, it it does kind of even though Keith Lee and Adam Cole were working their asses off in the match, it's like the, the preemptive like yes, here he comes, here's the music and all that. That kind of has uh, gone away. But I do think once it comes back, like fans will be, I, I think just getting excited for just about everything for almost any wrestler that comes down. It's like yes, a wrestler coming down to the ring, we get to see this again. <laughs> yeah, I can agree more with that statement. I agree. It's like. You know, that's, that's the funny thing, um, like we mentioned before, about how, how the wrestlers are, are performing in front of no crowd. Like, they didn't phone in it at all. Like, they, they gave you a title-for-title title match that could have literally sold out any, any, you know, arena. Like, if that was a regular takeover in front of a live crowd as the main event, like, that could have been a, it could, it could still be a match of the year candidate. But that, because of the crowd sometimes, you get that five-star, you know, you get that five-star rating because the crowd really, that can dictate how good a match is sometimes. Like, you could yes. see a match that's really not good technically and not good from a work rate standpoint. But, I mean, look, if you look at Rock and Austin, for example, two of the best wrestlers of all time, would they have five moves apiece? But they knew how to work that crowd. 
You know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You see, a, you think of a Stone Cold match right now with no crowd. I'd like to see how different it is. I would like to see how different his matches are. The psychology's still there. The work rate's still there, but you know, it's the crowd. These got these. The crowd made these guys. You know. Yeah, that's that's what made a lot of guys rock in Austin. Um, you know, I think back to uh, when they got Austin to come on for 316 Day, and he did the little thing, going to give me a hell yeah, and he's, oh, <laughs> there's no one in the crowd. I just thought, like, I saw something on Facebook. It's like, the caption is, I love how the WWE has turned into the Eric Andre show. <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, they, I think something like Steve Austin, w- one of the greatest of all time, would, if he was wrestling now, it would drastically hurt. I mean, uh, you th- a lot of matches we've seen over the years, like uh, I think of, um, I think of like uh, like a Daniel Bryan uh, going after the title for Mania, Mania Thirty. Oh my God! If the tremendous if, point right there. If the pandemic happened in the middle of the Yes Movement, oh my God! Uh, who's to say where he'd be? Oh, I mean, you're he's looking still, at a different, looking at a different Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I mean, he's still incredible and he's great in the ring, but it's like it's the fans that really gave him that push. Absolutely. And, and if you look at it now, what's interesting with AEW, with uh, the Cody Rhodes Open Challenge, the, if you, it, I don't, I'm not sure how much you follow the independents, but it, the, that's what's great about the fans right now. You know, fans can't be there live, but they're engaging so much with companies that that push for fans and that push for their favorite wrestlers are, are giving giving other wrestlers opportunity, which is a great thing. It's like, you know, the, the fans may not be able to be there live, but they're still engaging enough with the product to kind of, you know, inspire and, and motivate, you know, companies like AEW to kind of bring these guys into the open challenge. Guys like Warhorse, Eddie Kingston, you know, getting well overdue opportunities. They're great. They deserve every opportunity they get, but it's great to see the fans giving them that, that the fans giving that platform, or the fans having that platform, rather, to kind of still engage in the product and still get behind their favorite wrestlers, which is cool. Like, honestly, for me, when that, when that commercial came out um, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, that, that was a huge weekend or a couple of days of just, like, the fans engaging, you know, my, my, my Twitter blew up. So it's like the fans are still staying active and they're still able to kind of be with us even though they can't be there live, which is awesome. I was going to ask you, you're referring to the, the commercial that you did with Philadelphia uh, Cream Cheese. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that was I, like because it's like, so as wrestlers now, not to cut you off, as wrestlers no, now, like, we don't have we don't have matches. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not doing anything. If we're not, if we're not contracted and doing anything on TV, we have nothing to kind of keep us going. So like any kind of content or any kind of like, Anything we could put out there for the fans, it's kind of like not only is it you know helping us, but it's also giving back to the fans that they can kind of re-engage. Yeah, and I by the way, I was really really great. I got a great kick out of that commercial. Very <laughs> just, Fun. I'm sure. Um, I guess um, I guess also trying to be an actor too. I guess it really helped uh, develop a character for you when uh, it, for. For your in-ring persona, I would assume. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's cool because, like I said before, you know, uh, wrestling opened the door to acting because it was not something I really ever pursued. I, I, I never did any kind of theater. I never did anything like that as a kid. So I never thought, like, acting, and it's funny because now I, I regret not doing anything like that because wrestling and acting is so similar. Um, but it opened the door for it. And then now as I'm acting and I'm training as an actor and I'm working as an actor – it's helping me more in wrestling. So it's like one's giving back to another. It's like the, you know, when I learned something in an acting class about a uh, uh, type of acting or, or a certain method, 
you know, it's like, oh, I can relay this to my promos, or I can do this with my selling, or I can do this with my on-the-fly work, my improv. It's like really one hand washes the other with that. And I, honestly, I recommend any any um, new wrestler that are either shy or don't really have the mic skills or the talking skills to do an acting class because you'll learn how to cut a promo by being an actor and doing a monologue. Like, to me, it's, it's crazy how much they are. They just work side by side. I've heard some uh, wrestlers have done that. I know I've made, uh, listened on Chris Jericho's podcast. He said he took an acting class and it really helped him out. And and that's something I think uh, going back to like how a lot of, I guess, uh, casual viewers or who are un- really unaware of things, people will be really surprised as to how much acting and pro wrestling go hand in hand. Meaning, And some wrestlers go on to be actors. We mentioned The Rock earlier and John Cena's in it. Dave Batista, Edge did it for a little while. Um, I guess um, with that, with your character, I, I know, I know that uh, watching your matches, I've seen you work mostly as like a uh, more of a good guy. Have you yeah. ever gotten the opportunity to work, go the other side, be a bad guy, or n- not, not yet? Oh, uh, for sure, yeah. So like my career right now, like a lot of my success is obviously as a babyface. Um, you know, the character, the, the Man of Steel character, was not supposed to be uh, as white meat babyface as it as it's kind of turned into. It was kind of meant to be, like, when I debuted my first match in 2013, I had a manager. Um, I was really like a tweener role. Like, he was my, very similar to a Brock Lesnar-inspired, you know, character. When I broke into the indies in 2013, a lot of wrestlers did not work out. I'll be honest with you. It was a lot of guys that just had no muscle. So, it helped me when I first broke out because it kind of had a breath of fresh air of, like, oh, this guy's in shape. He looks like a badass. So, I tried making that character very tweener-like, and, and as the my matches went on and my career went on, you know, I, especially in Brooklyn, when I, when I first started, all my matches were in New York City, whether it's Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens, even the Bronx. So when you're working in your hometown and you're in front of the same crowd, all the, every show, whether no matter what company you work for, all the crowd, they, they travel. You know, wrestling fans are diehards. They, they come to everything, they see everything, and they boo and cheer everything. So I really built a fan base quick. And they got behind me. So that tweener character really transformed to a full baby face where, you know, my music used to be very different. Now it's the, uh, the Superman chords into another song. So it's really, I've really adapted into the Man, Man of Steel, Superman, good guy. But I really pushed myself to be um, someone that can kind of um, adapt and, re- and be recognizable to all demographics. You know, I, I've had matches, I've had street fights where I've bled all over. Um, and that earned the respect of the 18 to, to 25 demographic and guys. Um, you know, I go out there, I flirt with the grandmothers and the mothers. That helps me with the girls. You know, obviously the Superman character helps with the kids. Um, I'll drink beers in the match or after the match. So that helps. It just helps really hit every single demographic to a point where you, you just get over with the crowd as a good guy. But when I did Chikara um, back in 2014 up until present, um, assuming that they don't or do come back with all the stuff that went on, um, and beyond wrestling, um, I was a heel. I was heel there. Um, I was heel when I debuted in Chaotic Wrestling in, in New England. Um, and also Dy- uh, Dynasty 2, one of the companies upstate that I wrestled MJF. Before I was babyface and champion there, I was, uh, I was a heel prior. So I did get a chance to be a bad guy. It's just a lot of people in the way that wrestling was back then, they tend to sway, swing more towards the babyface role because it works. Don't fix what's not broken, you know. Now, my personal favorite, I'd rather work heel. Um, I just think you have more uh, freedom, a lot more creative um, outlets, and uh, I feel like the crowd this, these days, well, let's put it this way. The reason why I'm proud to be a babyface, because I feel like 
for someone to be a babyface in this era of wrestling um, between the internet fans and, and just how smart fans are at this day and age, you got to really, if, if you, they really like you, you're doing your job right. So that's always been something that worked in my favor is to be a baby face that doesn't get the John Cena treatment or the Roman Reigns treatment where they, you know, the guys boo you and then everyone else likes you. Um, I've been able to kind of be cheered universally and that helps, but being a heel is more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've always heard that in interviews with wrestlers. They say like, yeah, being a heel is more fun because like you said, you do have a little more freedom to do what you want. And I have noticed that like you're very much over as a baby face in the environments you work, you were working in. Uh, like going back to with the the tag match you had with Billy Gunn, you got that was clearly your crowd of people. They were behind you. I think at some points they were cheering for you way more than they were cheering for Billy Gunn. Where even Billy Gunn goes, I see you brought your people here tonight. Um, and that's Brooklyn, baby. That's Brooklyn. That's Brooklyn. <laughs> hometown crowds. They're definitely gonna definitely gonna get a uh, get support. Um, and I've and I've you were mentioning a few things here and there. Remembering, I do remember watching your match with MJF, which I think that was the first one I saw. You were kind of more. It was very much, very much a tweener role. Sure, there was more babyface stuff, but I remember. I think your manager threw the title into the ring. Yeah, or I remember that. And I think maybe like a turnbuckle was taken up. I don't know if that was you, if there was MJF, but I do remember spots of like more tweenerish stuff in there. And um, another match you had with, I remember specifically remember uh, one of your opponents was taking a while. He was more of the heel in the match, and he was taking a while to get his jacket off. And you just went to the bar and grabbed the Coors Light. He's like, "I'm wait," and you're like, "I'm waiting on you, man." And I thought I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that. That's a good gif these days too. I'm pretty happy I did that. That was on the fly. So those are the those are the cool things. Honestly, that's like an acting thing. Go back to your previous questions. Like you learn you learn that improv stuff. But uh, yeah, like that's that's the fun stuff. Like just kind of being able to be free and kind of you know just go out there and kind of just give your best work under any circumstance. Just if if an opportunity comes there in the ring where you can react a certain way, jump on it. You know. And that's great. And I, that's one thing I really love about pro wrestling is you just kind of like feel in the moment like this seems right. Or go on your instincts and just do it. And nine times out of ten, it's usually it usually always works. Um, it does, and I and I feel like to touch on your point, I feel like um, that is uh, something that a lot of wrestlers that are just getting into the business have to jump on those instincts early because I feel like that's something that people don't take advantage of. Um, trusting their instincts and kind of really working with the crowd when there is one. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's, a, that's a big thing. Like Those moments can, can, can get you to another place before your work is even that good. So those, your instinct will take you to the promised land. Let's put it that way. That's good. It's very good. Looking at like the current landscape, um, are there any guys out there that you look at where you're just like, I want... Like I would love to get in the ring with with this person or with this person. Are are there any guys kind of like on your list if you had the opportunity? Uh, there's yeah, there's a lot. There's def- there's definitely a lot. Um, it, it's 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 cool because I like companies like AEW right now. All of my friends work there. Every like I I can't tell you a person on the roster that I'm not friends with. So I look back in my career and it's like. Like the MJF match that you that you mentioned, like I, MJF started like in New York. Like that, that was that was my boy. You know, like he was that we we came up together. 
So seeing what he's doing now is great, but I've wrestled him so many times. And then you got guys like Scorpio Sky I've wrestled a bunch of times. Brian Cage, one of my bu- best buddies. I've wrestled him so many times. Like Gulak, Tony Nese is one of my trainers, Alex Reynolds. It's like you look at everyone that's on TV right now with the landscape. It's like I've wrestled all these. Swagger, I mean, dra- uh, Pride and Powerful. All these guys, you know, like, and, and my trainer, Joel Maximo, trained most of them, too. So it's like we've been around them so much and, like, all that stuff. But it, it, it's crazy to pinpoint one person that I'm like, I need to get in there with them um, and I want to work. But to give you, to give you like, a lazier answer, a lot of people say, what is one of your dream matches? And it's going to sound like a lazy answer. But it, it is John Cena in these days that can, no matter what he does in the ring, create the, create the, the, the fan engagement. Whether they like him, they hate him, they love him, they, whatever it is, he, he's able to hold the, hold the crowd in the palm of their hand. And I think that's a big thing. Like, you, you look at the independent style and, and the style of today. A, let's look at the AEW style compared to the WWE style. And a lot of people involved in those companies, the veterans, they hate to say, oh, what's an AEW style? What's a WWE style? There's a fast-paced style, there's a slower-paced style. You look at WWE, NXT, they, still, they work that style, that fast-paced style, which is great. But AEW, is, it, it, it was created by independent legends like the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega and, and guys that never really had a run in WWE or, or major TV company. And they went off, they built their, their, their self-made success stories. And they have that, they have that um, instinct, like we mentioned before, uh, to work in front of a live crowd. And then you have WWE, which is work in front of the cameras. So it's like, you know, there's just a vibe of so much, so much different work out there where it's like you feel like you can vibe with anybody. But John Cena, he can literally take, if it's a fast-paced crowd, a smart mark crowd, a children crowd, he can make them react. And, and to me, as a wrestler, that's what you want. You want someone in there you can wrestle with, and you can either work a headlock for 10 minutes and have the crowd off their chairs and just screaming, or you can go out there and, you know, again, have like a Keith Lee, Adam Cole banger, and they're still reacting. So John Cena, I think, is someone that could do that no matter what. I don't think it's a lazy answer that you picked John Cena because I think that's actually an excellent choice. Uh, as as a fan, you know, been through the whole rigmarole of Cena, and I, I will admit that you know when I was younger, I was a big fan of Cena, and obviously he got the the, the Super Cena push, and it really turned fans <laughs> off. But but I think uh, as he's kind of like you know been more, I'll be here and there f- for a bit, come in, do a few <clears throat> matches, do work a program. Uh, I think. It's really helped fans appreciate just how good he is. Uh, I think the past four or five years, he's been doing my favorite work of his as far as the stuff when he's worked with guys like like AJ Styles and uh, when he was doing the U.S. Open Challenge, working with guys like Finn, uh, sorry, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I know he had a match with uh, Balor and Philly and Raw a few years ago, uh, having a match with Nakamura. Uh, so it's been able to appreciate and. At looking at your style and his, I, I think that would be an excellent, excellent match, and oh, I, totally. I, I can only assume the amount of knowledge you could learn from a guy on that type of level. That's a great analysis of it. I, I couldn't agree more. Like you got, you got what I meant by that, and that is that is makes my job easier because I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Like that's the thing. Like. You appreciate him. I remember in 2006 when I was at, you know, a Raw, I, it was, he was feuding with uh, Kurt Angle, who was my favorite in that era. When I was, like, 2006, how old was I? I didn't freaking know. So 16, 15, that was, like, the last couple of years before I fell out of wrestling, like, before I fell out of being a fan. And, man, Kurt Angle, like, I was so hot for him. I wanted him to win the title. Like, he was the man during that time. And he was feuding with Cena for the belt. 
and I couldn't tell you, like, I'm a 17-year-old kid at the time, just, you know, the middle of puberty, get ready to go to high school and, you know, slay the world, and I'm sitting there, I'm booing John Cena like he killed my mom. I, you know, so it's like, he did it, he did it right, and, and this was uh, uncontrollable, like, I'm watching him, I'm screaming, hoping that he can hear me, you know, to that point, I'm sitting there, and I got back in the car, I'm like, wow, I was screaming like a little girl for, for, for John Cena, <laughs> But he did it. He did it. He worked me over. He won. And that's the thing now is like a lot of people don't have that connection with the crowd. And it's like you're working for a reaction rather than engagement, you know, and emotion. And and that's the thing. I mean, you want emotion is what wrestling is. Emotion is what got John Cena over and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. These are the biggest stars of all time. John Cena is the man he is today because he knows how to work emotion. And that's brilliant. It's like if you can make them boo you, and if you don't care about the 18 to 25-year-old men that are booing you, keep making them boo you because it's going to make you money and it's going to keep making you main event things. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think when it comes to a guy like him, you know, he's a very polarizing figure that he can kind of get away with that when having, you know, you have a demographic of the crowd that loves you and then a side that that uh that can't stand you and i think that's very important to have in wrestling to have people like that uh matches as you know matches will be good and good story compelling storylines to have but uh and i've they, i've i'm a few years younger than you when my remember my first uh show i went to was SummerSlam 2007 and i was at that point i'm i'm john cena all the way i love john cena i'm, I'm wearing a i'm wearing a sh- shirt one of his older shirts in 2007 he's shooting with randy orton you know i remember randy orton's coming out and he's had, getting a pretty decent reaction as a good guy i'm like but he's the bad guy cena comes out oh it's booze and i'm i'm with my dad he's like oh cena's getting booed buddy i'm like i don't understand and this is uh over in, in east rutherford so like prudential uh, uh center so i'm like i'm just learning kind of like what smart wrestling fans are and what that area is uh it's it's our wrestling towns (laughs) those are those another animal too you know john cena john cena will get cheered in in west virginia but you come to philly you know forget about he's public enemy number one yeah those two of the the smartest and most passionate wrestling uh wrestling towns uh over there and i've I've seen him in in main events in madison square garden and just he i just i'll just feel the garden just just shake uh, of what yep. that guy can do, you know, and that is just like, and that is just such a hard thing to get in wrestling, and he doesn't. Yeah, it's it's a good thing that he he can be very much appreciated uh, nowadays for the fans uh, over uh, generally now because people can enjoy seeing him. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time here. I've almost had you here for almost an hour now, but I guess to wrap a few things up, uh, is is there anything as you've gone on with your pro wrestling career or just acting in, every, in the avenues you take, is there any piece of advice that someone gave you that really stuck, that kind of just uh, gets you working uh, working harder and to try and achieve the goals you want? Um, everyone everyone I've been around with, you know, any of my, anyone who's trained me, anyone who uh, I've gotten friends with, uh, any seminar I take, everyone's given you any, a million pieces of advice. It's a matter of taking uh, a small part of everything that you're told and making it into your own. Um, and again, I'm not trying to like pull punches or, or, or not tell you the secrets of wrestling. Um, no, no, no. So there's nothing, nothing specific when it comes to uh, pieces of advice because there's so much. You know, between my, my Joel telling me things and Tony telling me things, Mikey Whipreps telling me things. Anyone that's taught me anything in wrestling, you take small pieces 
pieces of it, and you kind of throw it into a ball, and you make your own promo advice. Now, a piece of advice I can give um, to any person getting into wrestling would be two things. One, make sure your body is right. And I don't mean being the best. I don't mean being Make up as a wrestler, whether it's a luchador, a cruiserweight, a heavyweight. Go out there and make sure that a fan can respect what you do. Because I didn't step foot in the ring until I knew for a fact I wasn't going to play college baseball, and I spent a year in the gym. That was my first thing. I said I have to commit commit to your body because your body is your your body is your your career longevity. The second thing is is make sure that you have a life outside of wrestling. That is my number one thing I tell anybody because wrestling will consume you. And when it consumes you, when things don't go your way or you have to be patient or you're not getting over or you're not getting bookings or you're, you're, you're just being held back in some, you need to have an outside avenue. You need to have something that can, that can release the stress of wrestling. Luckily, I haven't been in a situation in my career where I've had wrestling demons or anything that really made me hate the business. But the business is a grind. When, you know, when, when wrestling is back to normal, I'm on the road three days a week. Uh, you know, I'm traveling from Jersey to Massachusetts, Massachusetts to Connecticut, back to Florida, then Florida back to, you know, Rhode Island. It's like up and down coast. If I want to go to cross country to L.A., I, you know, it's like it's nonstop. It's nonstop. And sometimes it can get to you to the point where you're just like, I want to be home. I don't want to be doing this right now. And it has nothing to do with, you know, it, it, your career could be going great, but you just don't want to do it. And you need those outside avenues and those outside things that you do to keep your sanity. So, I mean, those are my advice things that I picked up over the years that I kind of made my own in a way. And that's solid. And I think that's very good that you, no matter how much you love something, you, you do need a break from it before it does consume you. I, I totally agree with that. You know, and it's interesting I, too, because like this pandemic is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, <laughs> For wrestlers, let me make that clear. For wrestlers, you know, we all got, miss it, we all miss it, and we all want to work, and we all want to go back to doing what we love, but five months of rest on your body will prolong your career in ways that we won't even know. Oh, no, I knew what you meant. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's... It, everything it's everything like, else about it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And hopefully we can all just be safe and hopefully get out of this as soon as we can. Um but uh, I guess wrap things up there. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if there's anything that you want to plug uh, where people can find you on social media, uh, go right ahead. Yeah, Patricia. First of all, CJ, thank you. I mean, this hour flew by. Um, for your first wrestler guest, I hope it opens the door to more interviews because uh, you did a great job, really a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. That's first of all. Of course. And the what? Joel in the background says the same thing. He said, you put on a great interview. <laughs> so, was, uh, thank you. So thank you for having both of us. Um, uh, but yeah, for anyone who's listening, you guys can check me out uh, at Man of Steel MV on Twitter and, and Instagram. Please shoot me a follow. I would love to engage. And, uh, you know, you guys can take a look at my career, what I do next, anything like that. Um, and just, like, support wrestling. That's, that's the reason why I'm here. That's the reason why I'm on this podcast right now is I'm a wrestler. Um, so I want, you know, any fan to just continue to support wrestling through good times and bad. Um, you guys, like I said earlier, the fans is what makes us do what we do. So, you know, please thank you and, and just keep doing what you do. That's what we need. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening uh, to this episode of the Nine of the Wrestling Podcast. You can uh, find Mike on his Instagram and his Twitter, as he just mentioned. And uh, thank you so much. You can find us Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Anchor.fm. Go on the Anchor.fm website, the app, 
and type in the Nine Other Wrestling Podcast. has the full entire list of where you can find us uh, at TNAWP on Twitter, the Nine Other Wrestling Podcast on Instagram, and on Facebook at the Nine Other Wrestling Podcast. So for CJ Palmasano and the Man of Steel, Mike Verna, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.